0: me invite you to open the scriptures with me to uh, the New Testament letter of First Timothy. New Testament letter of 1 Timothy. If you're using a pew Bible, um, I believe First Timothy is found on page 960. First Timothy. We'll specifically look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 this morning. But before we do that, we're going to look at uh, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 that give us uh, the reason for this letter. Uh, and so today we're looking at uh, a New Testament description of the household of God. Now, Webster defines a household as those who dwell under the same roof and comprise a family. So dwell under the same roof and comprise a family. I want you to pause for a minute where you are uh, and to go in your mind to your childhood household and consider the people there and the various family relationships I could picture the glass top oval table in my family's kitchen where we would gather as a family around seven o'clock most evenings and fill our stomachs together I can see dad sitting on the far end after a long day of work and mom next to him on one side Daniel on the other side can see my sister and then then me we would eat and then we would all go upstairs to sleep. We would retreat to our own spaces. Uh, yet other spaces were shared spaces. You can visualize the Jack and Jill bathroom that my sister and I shared. You can see a common space in the hallway upstairs that was the occasional setting for a family devotional. Usually led by my mother. You can picture the... Uh, the 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 wood framed uh, bunk beds in my room where mom or dad would tuck me in most nights and and pray over me before bed, and what makes a household uh, unique and special is not so much the stuff in the space or the space itself it 's the inhabitants who are there sharing the space. I want you to pause now and and look around this room, look at this space. Look at those gathered in this space. Again, the significance not so much with the space itself, but with the people gathered in this space. For this is the household of God. This is God's family. This is a family of believers. For if you know Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in Christ for salvation, then you've been adopted into his family. and You're welcomed into his presence. You're invited to approach him. As a loving, heavenly Father, and together we have gathered this day, like each corporate worship gathering, to worship Him and to do so in community. As a household of faith, a family of Believers Well, Paul writes to Timothy, and he gives some uh, explanations, some instructions about what that looks like for if God is my Father, and if that same God is your father, then there 's some sort of familial relationship uh, between us, and Paul helps us in understanding that. So let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of god 's word and firstly, first Timothy chapter three uh, verses fourteen and fifteen, we have the reason for this letter. Paul writes, although I hope to come to you soon. I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And now chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He instructs Timothy, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him. As if he were your father, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we open your word knowing that it is your word and desiring to hear from you. So Lord, lead us now, guide us, give us wisdom and understanding these truths and applying them to our lives as your people. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, church, you may be seated. Well, as a household of faith, or as participants, as members, as a part of God's household, we are the church, and the church loves one another like family. The church loves one another like family. This is the call. This is the uh, instruction. This is the ideal. Uh, we know it's not always the norm, for sin still Uh, rears its ugly head in us, but this is what God calls us to be about. Believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, members of God's family, loving one another as family. In chapter 3, verse 15, Paul gives his purpose for writing this letter, and he describes the church there with two words, uh, two words used to describe uh, this gathering, what we are. The first is oikos. Translated as household, emphasizing the family component of the church. The second is ecclesia, translated here as church, referring to the assembly or the congregation, the gathering. So when we have church believers, we are a gathered family. We're a family assembly. We are believers, brothers and sisters coming together in the name of Christ under the lordship of Christ, the headship of Christ, longing to worship him and to hear from him. And so, if you're part of this church family, if you consider this church family, your church family, when, when you are here, the whole church family benefits from it because of an important and vital member of the house is present. On the contrary, when you are not here, the whole Church family suffers because an important and vital part, component, person, member of God's household is, is not present. See, the church loves one another like family. And I want you to know, church, I am so grateful that we are part of a church, that this is a church, that Meadowbrook is a church that truly mirrors uh, a family. We have young and old. We have babies and children, teenagers. We have newlyweds and singles. We have uh, parents of teenagers. We have young families. We have empty nesters. And we have senior adults. And according to the scriptures, we have a common bond in Christ. We're called to relate to each other, to love each other as a family. And Paul gives us some instructions. He helps us see what that looks like for us. And firstly, he conveys that it means believers respecting older Christian men. He writes to Timothy, chapter 5, verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. It means believers respecting older Christian men. Now, Paul writes to Timothy as a young pastor, giving him some instructions. The context of this letter implies that Timothy is not so keen on his position there at the church in Ephesus, and he wants to bail, and Paul tells him to stay. Chapter 1, verse 3, tells him to stay and to correct some false teaching. So the implication of these instructions in this context, there's going to be some difficult conversations for, for Timothy. Here the Scriptures are not saying don't ever rebuke or correct an older Christian man, but they're saying do so in a certain way. Timothy's going to have some difficult conversations, and Paul reminds him that he is to confront and approach and speak to older Christian men in the church, with the respect that is expected of all of us as we relate to our fathers, to do so with an attitude of submission and humility and openness and a willingness to learn from those who are wiser and who have had more life experience. See, believers in the church respect older Christian men as fathers, and believers are called to honor older Christian women as mothers. Believers honor older Christian women. Verse 2, treat older women as mothers. In other words, care for them. Make sure that they're provided for. Make sure that they have the things that they need. Make sure that you honor them in the way that you speak to them. And if we're to understand what it looks like to uh, relate to someone as a father and mother, then we need to know a bit about God's design for the family to begin with. And the Ten Commandments, spell out foundational laws of God for God's people in covenant with Him, describing uh, what the ideal member of that covenant looks like. And one of those commandments speaks very clearly about the relationship between children and parents. And Paul quotes that commandment. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So those with parents called to obey their parents and then at some point later in life certainly to care for their parents, to make sure that parents are provided for. And this is the sort of relationship, the respect and honor that Scriptures invite believers to enact with Christian men and women who are older than us, to respect them. To honor them. Certainly, we have occasion to do so on this day, and this is countercultural, as Scripture so often is. Not in every single way, but in many ways. Just the elderly are never an inconvenience. Contrary to the practices and opinions of some, they certainly do not, their their value does not uh, diminish. Proportionately, as they age and according to health status. No, these are sons and daughters of the Most High God. They are servants of the King. And we are called to respect and honor them, to love and to serve them. For the church loves one another as family. And thirdly, believers befriend younger Christian men. So believers are called to respect older Christian men. Believers honor older Christian women. And believers are to befriend younger Christian men. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if, you, as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers. Treat younger men as brothers. So here, Paul is writing to Timothy. A specific context, specific instructions here to Timothy. So gender-specific language, fitting that context, it would be appropriate for us as we transfer the principle to our setting to see this as also an instruction for for women to befriend younger Christian women, to come alongside others in the church, and to strive to create friendships with them, to care for them, as should a brother with a brother and a sister with a sister. There ought to be some Jonathan David-type friendships in the church, We want to do everything we can to create such friendships, such relationships, because there is a bond between us as followers of Jesus that is greater than any bond in the world. Let me put it this way. Our commitment to and our love for brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, those who are part of the church family, ought to be greater than our commitment to and love for and connection with Our Auburn family, or our Alabama family, or our Samford family, or our teammates, or our book club gang, or you fill in the blank. There's a bond between believers, for we are called to love one another like family, for in Christ we are family. And when we do not act this way, we need to repent and to ask the Lord to change our hearts to give us a heart for him and a heart for his people. For Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you're my people. By your love for each other. John chapter 13 verse 35. Believers befriend younger Christian men. And fourthly, believers cherish younger Christian women. Believers cherish younger Christian women. Verse 2, Older treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. All right, so this is audience participation uh, time. Uh, I want to see a show of hands. If if you are a, a man or a boy and you have a younger sister, uh, raise your hand. How many of you have, how many men and, and boys have a younger sister? Quite a number of you. If you're a lady, uh, regardless of age, and you have an older brother, you raise your hand let's see those. So a number of you, certainly not everybody, but many fit one of these two categories. Uh, and if you do... Uh, then perhaps you know what I mean when I say uh, as one with a younger sister. uh, At times in my life, I felt a little bit of responsibility uh, to know something about the guys who were interested in her uh, and making sure that those were good guys. Now, I'm not sure she always appreciated having two older brothers in this area. but, But this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying that he is to relate to younger Christian women in the church in a way that mirrors that type of protectiveness and chastity, chastity that he would, that he would regard his own flesh and, and blood sister. We're called to mirror that relationship. And we live in a culture, in a world that increasingly views young women as objects. Brothers, sisters in Christ, we are called to value and to protect and to care for them, to uphold their dignity and, and their worth. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, He said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this is an uphill battle for we are continually bombarded by an entertainment industry and a multi-billion dollar pornography industry that devalues and degrades young women and it is abhorrent in the eyes of their maker so brothers and men and boys let's not give in to this god of our day for like many cultures that have gone before us Immorality is a little g God of our day and Satan loves nothing more than to see men and boys bow down to this God. So let's value, let's cherish our sisters in Christ, daughters of the Most High God, of those with a Heavenly Father who loves them with an everlasting love and who loves us as His own, who calls us His own. In fact, I think it's only... When we recognize and acknowledge who we are in Him, that we begin to relate to other people in His family in a way that honors Him. So see your position in God's family. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, see your position in in God's family. For Luke records words from the lips of Paul to Leaders in the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says this. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Hear this. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Tells pastors and leaders, shepherd God's flock. Shepherd the church, which he bought with his own blood. Friends, around us this morning according to the scriptures, our our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers in Christ. These are people for which the Son of God was broken and abused. These are people for whom He spilled His blood for our salvation. We're called to find our identity in Him. If you know Him, you have a new status, a new position, a new place before Him. He defines your worth. He defines your value. He gives you your significance and your purpose. And then you begin to see the prestigious position that he gives other followers of him. So see your position in God's family and get to know your church family. Believers, get to know your church family. If you've ever had the opportunity to spend any time in another church setting outside of this church, then you know that every church is a bit different. Every church has its own uh, subculture, so to speak. Some are young, some are old. Some uh, value uh, a certain a traditional style of, of things. Others value a more contemporary style of things. Some call it Sunday school. Others call it small groups. Some, uh, some are urban, some are suburban. And all of these things uh, can be glorifying to God. They can be gifts that glorify God if Jesus is front and center. Some of these are convictions. Some of them are, are preferences. But greater than any of these things are the people who gather as the church, the people who've been saved by the grace of God and who come together as a family of of God. Those well, sitting around you on the pew this morning are people for whom Christ died. We gotta care for them. Let's, let's be concerned for them. How, how many of us can name a specific prayer request of a brother or sister in Christ from this? faith family how many of us know uh, men and women outside of our own immediate age group who are part of our local church family let's get to know each other let's spend time together in this place and beyond this place as the lord gives us opportunity for the church loves one another like family so let's let's care for the family let's care for christ's family And Paul is not saying, the New Testament is not teaching, that the church uh, suddenly replaces your family unit. In fact, if we read further in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul has some pretty harsh words for those in the church who are neglecting to care for their own families. But for some, the church is their family. The church doesn't replace our families, but it is an extension of of our families. And so when one member of the body suffers we all suffer. When one grieves, we ought to all grieve. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. When someone needs care, let's care for them. When someone needs a visit, let's visit them. Let's love each other like the family we are in Christ because we belong to each other as members of the body of believers, as members of the household of of God caring for one another but never, never satisfied with just each other. You see, we don't have the opportunity, we don't have the privilege of saying uh, uh, us four and no more. It can never simply be about us. We want to always, under the commission of our Lord Jesus Christ, be about reaching others, inviting others to become part of the family, inviting others to come and And see what this is about. Certainly deepening and strengthening. Friendships and relationships within the body. But reaching out to others. In the name of Christ. So let's invite the unchurched. To experience Christ's family. Let's invite the unchurched. To experience. Christ's family. Maybe they're your neighbors. Or your classmates. Your co-workers. Maybe it's. Your dentist, or your doctor, or your banker, a grocery store worker. Let's invest in people and invite them to come and experience what it's like being part of the family of God. It certainly takes time, an investment, but let's engage in friendships with the unchurched for the sake of introducing them to Jesus and His family. Remember the story of the woman at the well. And Jesus is traveling through Samaria. He breaks the cultural norms of his day. And he approaches the Samaritan woman at the well. And he begins to gently confront her in her sin. And and gently expose his own identity to her. Revealing to her that he is the Messiah. That he is the Savior. And this is her response. John chapter 4 verses 28 and following. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Friends, likewise, as followers of Jesus, as those who've been saved by the grace of God, who know the Savior, we ought to be about going out and saying, Come, come see the one who changed me. Come see the Savior. Come see the ones whom he has changed. The church loves one another like family, for we are family. We are members of God's household. So let it be said of us. Let it be said of Meadowbrook Baptist Church that they are a church that cares for one another, that loves one another like family to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to gather as your family to worship Jesus Christ. Lord, to declare life in him, to uh, bow before you and invite you to speak to us once again through your word. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of doing this week after week after week with each other, with a family of believers. Father, lead us now. Convict us where we're in error. Invite us to your throne. Invite us to worship you. Lord, remind us of of who we are in you and what you call us to be about. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.